Blog Talk Radio. Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier. The favorite child in the whole wide world, Mariah. The even favorite child. Favorite is not a word. It is still a word. No, and, and cooler child in the family, Cross. Okay, you know, and I was thinking what a shame it was that we had lost all of your trash talking on the last episode. Oh, don't worry, we bring it back. <laughs> Um, so we totally had a technical difficulty on our first go round about this. Uh, so we're gonna do it again, and we put in the right time now. Yeah, hopefully we put in the right time. You'd think I would have checked. We had a problem before, but anyway, I'm gonna send out the new link on our Facebook page. So uh, hopefully you're joining us that way. If you were joining us live, I apologize. And uh, we're gonna start out with some commercial break, and I will get that Facebook link out to those who were listening live. Thank you so much. We'll see you in just a few minutes. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light, and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Hey, everyone. Come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com, Monday through Thursday, 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live 
or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. Have you looked at the... All right. I'm over here doing uh, all sorts of crazy things on a switchboard this morning. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry for that interruption. Yes, we had a technical difficulty. So I'm hoping that our live audience will be able to follow us. I did roll back and put our new link back on the website so you guys can catch up um, and message the couple people individually. So hopefully you guys can rejoin us. Otherwise, I apologize, and I hope you can catch us later on the downloaded podcast. So um, today we're talking about Romans chapter 2, and we've been roaming through Romans, but we're talking that we're going to be flying through Romans soon. Just hey, for a second, you guys, don't get too excited. I'm pretty sure we're going to slow the face back down. Um, but I think, you know, like, let's face it, Paul spends an awful lot of time talking about our sin, and we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about it for a couple of weeks more, but we're going to move on a little bit more quickly. So uh, let's start out with prayer. Anybody want to pray? No, that's all up to me today again. Okay, cool. I'm just so good at it. Is that is that it? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think it's intimidating to pray like where it's recorded, right? Oh no, you're just you're just you're yeah, like you we can't steal your thunder like that. You don't you don't need to worry about stealing my thunder, y'all. Go ahead, let's roll with it. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be here, to teach your word, to bring your word, to share your word, um, with each other and even with an audience. God, you are amazing and incredible. The things that you've laid out for us um, over the, the thousands of years is so relevant today. I pray that you touch the lives of those of us in this room, the hearts of our listeners, and that your Holy Spirit come um, and, and just stir up wonderful things. Leave us changed powerfully by your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome sauce. So. Um, they're wrestling over here, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So Not wrestling. <laughs> I'm just ending what he started. Uh-huh. This is what happens when you have siblings on a radio show together, guys. All right, all right, all right. So um, let's go ahead and start with our scripture reading today. Today we're actually going to be rolling through an entire chapter of scripture. So I'm going to read the entire chapter live and on air. You know, what's really funny is that um, I have no problem talking publicly, but reading publicly is a thing for me. It makes me nervous. Isn't that funny? So so we're going to read an entire chapter, and I'm just going to roll with that, okay? Didn't we already do that? So we did, but um, we have to do it again because we're going to roll the entire show and then we're going to clip it, and eventually it's going to go to podcast. So if somebody was joining us live a minute ago, they probably just heard me read this chapter, but I'll try to roll through it quickly. But we need it for the podcast that will be uh, posted permanently. Otherwise, it would be like, yeah, remember when Paul said, and they're like, no, because you didn't read that. Right, right, right. So we don't want to post half of a podcast. So we're just going to go ahead and roll through that. Uh, so here we go, starting Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. 
We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his work. To those who do by patience and and well-doing seek for the glory and honor of immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jews first and also to the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good, the Jews first and also to the Greek. For God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not he who hears, sorry, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light in those to those in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, and a teacher of children, having the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you who teach others, do you not also teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor.
we're reading here, and really what Paul is talking about is religious attitudes. He's talking about the Jews of the day, um, who would have been the people who were um, keeping the traditions and the religion alive of the Jewish people. Um, so for us, we want to make sure that we're mirroring this correctly, okay? Uh, for us, he's not talking about the Jews of our day. He's, he's talking about the religious amongst us, which is probably us um, Sunday, Wednesday, church-going Christians, those of us who are serving and are always doing all the things, right? So we can look at everybody in this room. We're those people, right? We're those people who are going to church. And, and what the scripture is saying is that religious attitudes and practices do not please God, but walking in the spirit and obedience does. Um, so we, we know this. I like to connect Romans with uh, the greater part of scripture, with the main body of the Bible. And I like to do that because uh, of the fact that, honestly, um, when you're looking at the, the, the main part of scripture, uh, you have some people in a while who will come along and say something about, well, well, Paul isn't Jesus, and, and um, you know, maybe his attitude doesn't reflect Jesus' attitude all the time. So we want to make sure, especially on these major points that we're making, that we're, that we're reflecting the attitude of scripture as a whole. Uh, but I really feel like this is very much in line with the way that Jesus felt. Um, and what he expressed from God the Father. And uh, can anybody come up with an example of of why we can feel pretty secure that Jesus felt that way? Well, you really like the Pharisees and what they did. And they were very religious people. The Pharisees? I was, was mid-yawn. I was about to say, that was a nice yawn answer. I like that. <laughs> I like the Pharisees. The Pharisees. The Pharisees. <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't a big fan of the Pharisees, right? Um, and no, then no, 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 we, we have to say Pharisees. The first, the whole episode. <laughs> wow. I'll let you do that. No, 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 no,
Um, remember, we're not talking about salvation here. Salvation is by faith through Jesus Christ, um, through God's grace. As believers, we want to know how to please God. So, in other words, um, I'm not getting saved by all the works and things that I'm doing, right? The salvation work is in God's wheelhouse. He takes care of that. I just get the privilege of being able to repent, believe, and receive of all the completed work that God's done, okay? Um, but moving forward, once I realize and recognize, if I really believe that God is God and he is who he says he is, isn't it like the natural thing to be like, wow, I would really like God to be pleased with me in my life, right? He created me. He put me here for a purpose. He went to the trouble of saving me and making sure that I was okay. Um, I want to please him. My poor dog is outside barking incessantly, so I hope that Caitlin takes care of that soon. <laughs> um, so remember, we're not talking about salvation. Salvation is by faith, by grace. As believers, we want to know how to please God, and it's not about how much your time and your morning devotional takes. So, so we're not talking about timing our morning devotionals, um, whether or not we're tithing a certain amount, or whether or not we're able to run our church's relief society, okay? All those things are good things, but are they the things that please God? It, it's, it's work, and God not really where his pleasure lies, right? Um, now, here's a really interesting point is that God's an impartial judge. Like, how often do we think when we do something that we know we're crossing lines, we're moving in the wrong direction, and we just think to ourselves, well, God loves me. He'll forgive me. He likes me best because I go to church. Remember all that time I spent in the church pews, God? Do you remember when I was uh, putting pens in the backs of the seats and preparing the sanctuary for the next day and, you know, um, pulling weeds in your garden? And God bless you. Thank you. Um, we we, we kind of do have that attitude, right? Like, God, you know, like, like we think that we're dealing remember? with some sort of a, a, a ethical uh, piggy bank. I put in lots of good things, so it should be okay for me to do the bad thing, right? Which is really reverse thinking anyway, because we were bad and corrupt to begin with. What God did was put in good things in our life, and we owe good things back. You know what I'm saying? Um, and God is an impartial judge. He loves all people, and he hates all sin, uh, which is a real big problem because all people sin, Right? Um, so there was this attitude, and the chapter actually spends quite a bit of time addressing it, that um, because the Jewish people were the chosen people, uh, they felt that God was going to treat them better and differently than the Gentile people. And so this is where Paul is saying, no, 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 God's an impartial judge. He loves everybody completely, and he hates sin completely. And if you sin, you're guilty before him, which kind of sucks because we all sin. Especially the Jews, because they knew the laws and everything before. Yeah, so it actually makes the point that the more you know, the more that you are held accountable. Um, and so uh, he says that the Gentile does within their own heart what the law says, and they are a law to themselves. But those who have the law have the obligation to keep the whole law. Um, so it's actually harder uh, the more you know. Makes me want to stop studying. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. Ignorance. And we're not Jews. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, I, you know what? Actually, because they were so 
so they were the vehicle for God to preserve his commandments and um, to bring the Messiah. And so every blessing that comes, comes first to the Jew. We're only here because of the Jews. So thank you. Yeah, really. Thank you. Like, wow. You know, generations of, of hard work to save the entire world. It's amazing. Um, so Think of your favorite people. If they do something that upsets you, are you more lenient with them or are you more lenient with a stranger? Like, let's be honest about this here. Someone does something mean to you, okay? Um, let's say that uh, you have an incident, okay? I can actually use an incident that happened the other night to um, a child that is not with us without using anything, okay? Um, so let's say that you offend someone and they curse at you, okay? If that person is some stranger on the street, how do you respond usually? Just roll your eyes and keep walking. Like, really, I pretty well, I much ignore I really pretty much ignore you. I did not ask your opinion, and I didn't want it, right? Okay, and maybe I have an attitude, but, but true, okay? When it's a friend or someone we think is a friend, who, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're interacting and something frustrates them. And it's not even a really big thing, but it frustrates them. And they turn around and they curse at you. How does that feel? Like an attack. Like that, that cuts much deeper. Does that make sense? It feels like a spiritual attack. So in other words, now let's, let's put this to God, because we all have our relationship with God, Right. And some people have no relationship with God. And, and they're still his children, and he's probably still frustrated when they're, like, you know, irreverent or they sin or whatever, right? But when you're in relationship with God and you do it, how do you think that he responds to that? I would think that it would, it would be more painful. I think, I think that it would be the thing that would be much more frustrating um, to see the person that you're in relationship do something uh, to that nature. So um, I liken this to when uh, my two children are arguing. My, I have three children, but I have two of them that are still children. Do you see what I'm saying? I have one adult child. Hi. Hi. And so when, when they're arguing and one of them hurts each other, man, like there's nothing that can make a mom like want to like take vengeance is mine, say it's a mom. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, Nothing makes a mom want to go full mama bear and, and on an attack quite as much as when one of her children is hurt. But it becomes a real problem when the person who hurt them is the other child, okay, because you love that child, but now you want to kill them, you know? <laughs> like You can love your children all the time, but you can't like them all the time. It's not realistic. Right, that's true, okay? There, there, is, that, there is that aspect of it. Um, Only God can do that. Right, right, right. So, God so, loves you and likes you. So sin is a powerful and destructive force in our lives and the lives of others. Even just our sinful thoughts can lead us down a path of destruction. Um, so kind of think about the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Um, think about how, uh, you know, if, if a person um, looks lustfully upon someone, they've already committed adultery in their heart. Um, because our heart begins to justify already what our sinful thoughts are and starts to make it not so bad and abhorrent. But sin is abhorrent to God, just the same way as if 
one of my children punches the other child in the face, no matter how justified, that's abhorrent to me, you know. Um, there's, and by the way, there's not a justification for that, so don't do it. <laughs> He's just smiling at me. He is the sweetest brother, and the, yeah, they don't really get into scuffles much, so. Um, so if we're sitting back and pretending that because God is kind and patient, he's okay with it, and just overlooking our behavior, we're deceiving ourselves. So the Bible says that God um, practices forbearance. In other words, like our sin, like, deserves immediate destruction, just like Mama Bear coming after that kid that hurt her kid, right? Okay? Um, it, we're, we're worthy of this immediate destruction, but God saves his anger and allows us opportunity to be able to come and repent. Okay, um, the problem is that we think that when he allows us that opportunity, when he doesn't come in and, like, throw down, we think it's because he just likes us better and he's okay with our sin. And that couldn't be further from the truth, which is kind of crazy. Okay, his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And, in fact, the longer we wait to repent, God is more and more justified in his righteous anger, and we can even... Uh, drive the souls, drive other souls away from God with our bad behavior and attitudes. Um, this is not to say that Bible study, quiet time, tithing, or service are bad things. They aren't. Um, but according to verse 6 through 8, God is looking at your heart, your motivation, and if it's self-seeking, it isn't pleasing to God. Um, so how can I tell if I'm leaning on religiosity and self-righteousness? Uh, let's look up. Do you have a Bible handy? Uh, can you look up Luke 18, uh, 9 through 14. Um, because the first way that we can tell is whether or not we are judgmental of others. Uh, yeah, Luke 18, 9 through 14. Do you want to read it real quick? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by him and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at the distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner is not the Pharisee. Is this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God? But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Right. That's so, one of my favorite parables. That is a pretty cool, cool parable, right? And it's right next to my favorite verse. Oh yeah, which one says your favorite? Uh, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Right. So um, basically, if I'm judgmental of others, if I'm exalting myself, then I am counting on that religiosity and self-righteousness to save me. Uh, number two, if I'm hypocritical because I don't practice what I preach. Number three, if I'm complacent of my own sin, misinterpreting God's patience. Oh, I think God's okay with it because he hasn't struck me down with lightning yet. That's kind of a really bad way to think. Not yet. Right, not yet. <laughs> Number four, if you're increasingly guilty before God because of my denial, think of that whole um, remove the log from your eye before you try to remove the speck from your brothers. Um, number five, if I'm a hypocrite, and actually the, the Greek word for hypocrite means to wear a mask. It's a theatrical term. 
um, because uh, their actors used to wear these masks with megaphones in them, and the mask would reveal uh, what they're supposed to be uh, sharing with the audience as far as an emotion or a feeling or a character. So um, if I am uh, wearing a mask, if I am hypocritical, secretly loving the pleasures of the world but hiding behind a religious facade, okay? But I know this probably better than anyone in the room because uh, I just got in the in a play for my co-op, and there's usually not one character who only has one emotion. Mm-hmm. So, like... I, I play old man, and th- I don't have one emotion. I'm confused. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm angry. Well, maybe not angry. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit angry. Yeah, but if but I got if I got angry in the play, I'd be like, get off my lawn. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, yeah, because no one character has one emotion, but their masks, you can't just repaint the mask as another emotion. Well, but the whole point is in your play, you're playing a character. You're not actually an old man. Yeah, I'm just playing that part. If 11 is old, we're all in trouble here. Okay. So, but you're playing a part, and that's the thing. Are you playing a part of being the good Christian, but, um, and that's on, the on Sunday, but every other day of the week you're out partying and drinking and enjoying the pleasures of the world? Like, that that would be an indication that I am um, two-faced, two-faced and, and leaning on my religiosity to save me. Uh, number six, I'm convinced that God favors people like me. <laughs> and it, it could be my faith, my church, my race, my gender. Mm, we're not going to go too deep in there, but it's a shoe fit, right? Uh, number shoe fit Cinderella. <laughs> number seven, I'm oblivious that I am more accountable the more that I know. Like I said, that's the scary part of this whole thing. Number eight, feelings of self-confidence or superiority. Number nine, seldom applying biblical knowledge to myself. Um, have you ever um, been or known people who, I'm, I'm going to say have known people because uh, that takes a little bit of that magnifying glass off of ourselves. But have we ever been or known the person who listens to a whole sermon and says, Man, I wish my husband, boyfriend, friend, spouse, whatever, was here to hear that message because they could sure use that. Promise you every time that God's speaking a word in your presence, it's meant for you. Okay? (laughs) Um, Number 10, unaware of how my hypocrisy drives others away. And think of, like, in my case, I was like, when I'm a hypocrite, it drives my kids away from the Spirit of God. Um, So it's a really high calling being a parent. And 11, I may not even know that I never made a decision to live for him in my heart. Because I may just be going through that whole, like, religious cycle of going to church and doing my things, and I never yielded to him. Um, So I think we're going to take a quick commercial break right now. Uh, We're going to continue our teaching when we come back. We're going to talk about how we move forward having that spirit of religiosity. But first, um, I'm obligated to share commercials every few minutes, and we're going to go ahead and do that uh, right now, and we'll be back in about three minutes. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. 
Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. Hey, everyone. Proof here again. I want to let you know that you want to protect yourself against this upcoming food shortage that's about to happen. I know with all this COVID stuff that growing your own food is going to be extremely important right now. So I want to introduce you to my friends over at groundwithagarden.com, and you can get yourself hooked up with a vertical garden that you can grow inside or outside of your house. So if you have a back patio or you don't have room outside, you can grow in either way. And I have a bunch of stuff growing on mine. I have pictures to share. I love this thing. This is the best garden and most successful that I've ever had for gardening for my own self. So let me give you the website again, groundwithagarden.com. That's groundwithagarden.com. We all know that times are tough, and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. All right, well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia. It's Mariah. It's Cross, the way cooler co-host. Not true. Stop lying to our listeners. Okay, <laughs> truthfully, I'm way cooler. Wow. Mom, still. I don't know, but do you know what the best way is to get your kids to stop messing around and wrestling? 
turn on the live mic and then everybody knows that they can be heard. <laughs> I, I can't tell you what is happening during commercial break, folks. Okay, no. okay, okay, okay. So, so now, okay, we're back in Romans chapter two. So let's move back there. Um, I have some other content I want to get to, so we're going to move through this rather quickly. All right. So now there's this whole like awkward conversation, um, the seemingly strange conversation about the letter of the law and circumcision. Uh, what is all that about? Okay. Uh, here we go. Oh, boy, here we go. So circumcision is the cutting of the flesh, and it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. So we, in America, we still practice circumcision, even Sometimes. people who are Gentiles, very often, yes. Um, and, and there's that cutting of the flesh, but it originated from the Abrahamic covenant, okay? And the symbolism there, um, and it's preceded, by the way, Moses and the law. Okay, um, so it, the, the symbolism was that you were cutting away the flesh, which is where the Bible teaches us that sinful desire really resides. And that cutting away the flesh is supposed to be the commitment that I am not going to uh, follow the flesh, but I'm going to follow the spirit of God. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's why Jews were all circumcised. Um, I don't know, you know, some some Americans um, and Gentiles do get circumcised. I don't know that that's necessarily why they do it. Uh, but that was the origination of where circumcision came from today. Um, so the problem with this was that only one person ever kept the covenant of the law. And who was that? Jesus. Jesus. And all covenant breakers bear the due penalty of breaking covenant, which is? The cutting of the flesh? No, 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 no. What happens if you break the covenant? You're defiled. Well, I mean, so remember when they cut the animals and they walked down that whole pool of blood, mm-hmm. and, and the symbolism there is supposed to be that if I break this covenant, may this happen to me. Uh, so the, so so when we break covenant, we have we have cursed ourselves with our own death, right? Okay. Why would you jinx yourself like that? Like, like, so this is why the Bible says not to just enter into promises, okay? Because you could be entering into promises with people who are ungodly um, and don't have your best interests at heart, and um, that can cause problems with the covenant you have with the Lord. Um, so remember, to get the blessings of the covenant, you have to not break it. And Jews have been trying this for thousands of years and trying really, really hard. Uh, they've tried to cleanse their nation. Their nation. Um, if you don't remember, check out Ezra. Uh, they tried really hard to get everybody to do what they were supposed to do, and, and sometimes in not very nice ways. And okay, how that worked out. And it still didn't work out, right? Um, how was Abraham following God without the written word? Well, he followed the leading of the Spirit, which is really, really cool. Um, so circumcision is by the spirit, not by the letter. It's not the law that justifies. It is the spirit of God that justifies. Um, and it's God's spirit that's leading us in partnership with our spirit to please God, not the letter of the law. Our heart to love and honor God um, and not to check all the boxes, which can be really hard for our list makers. I'm looking at a particular list maker. I have one. I actually have two list makers in my family. It's certainly not me. Right. I, I, I'm a page scribbler. Right? Yeah, same. Ah. 
I don't care if it's in the right place. I just care that it's in a place. I just want to get it done and over with. Right, right, right. So, so is it hard being a list maker and being able to rely on the spirit of God, Maya? Absolutely. I had a conversation with the Lord one time because he always destroys my perfectly made boxes. <laughs> like, not in real life, but, like, I'll have a plan. And if it involves, like, God having to follow through, it doesn't work. Oh. And I I got really upset, and I was like, Lord, like, why do you keep destroying my boxes like this? Like, it's incredibly rude. And he said, it's rude of you to assume that I would fit in the boxes that you made. I can barely fit my big toe in it. I was like, well, that's the problem. So, even so. if we try to expand our boxes for the Lord... It's still too big for him, so let him just make the box because he knows what size he is. Well, and he doesn't always make a box. Yeah. That can be super uncomfortable, right? Yeah. Um, there is no plan. Right, right, right. Sometimes, well, there is a plan. I'm just not going to tell you about it. <laughs> just do what I say. <laughs> that can be a really hard um, approach sometimes, um, but, but very specifically, uh, if we're not used to walking in the spirit, versus walking in the flesh. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Yay. Cool. Yay, cool. Okay. So um, we really want to change our thinking, and our thinking is usually about making our plans, checking our boxes, right? But that we have just gotten a big lecture from Paul that that is really us being religious and not necessarily allowing God to have the reins, right? That's pretty problematic, okay? Um, so um, can we look at Romans 8? We're going to skip ahead for a minute, 1 through 3, um, because here Paul is going to give us three foundational truths, and he says that these truths make it possible to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, which ultimately means to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbor as ourselves. So let's read the scripture real quick. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice to our sins. Yes. Okay. So um, what he is laying out for us is that we are, in verse 1, he says we are forgiven. As a believer in Christ, I'm no longer under condemnation. I continue to have my sins forgiven while I learn to escape the cycle of failure that Paul describes earlier in chapter 7, um, which is... Uh, I do what I do not want to do, but that which I want to do, I do not do, right? <laughs> where, where This is where Paul seems like this crazy head who's talking about himself as if he's a third person, right? Um, but we all really know that struggle, right? Darn it, I really wanted to do that, and why didn't I? Like, what was what kept me back? Or, or darn it, I didn't want to do this again. How did I end up in this sin again? Um, and we all really live that reality. But uh, we know that as a believer, we can be forgiven, um, that God will continue to forgive us as we're learning to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. And we know that because that's what the Bible says. Verse 2 says that we're free. 
by being joined to Christ by my human spirit, um, my human spirit has been set free from the old rebellion, selfish independence, and pride that I inherited from Adam. My spirit is now the rightful governing authority and the law of my life, and I can choose to follow the Holy Spirit. So um, that doesn't mean that the flesh isn't still strong and not still present. We inherited that from Adam, and we have it until the day that we pass away on earth and move to our heavenly bodies. That is just part of the inheritance. You know, in Genesis, um, God talks about how uh, like things reproduce like things. And once sin, sin had invaded human flesh, every human after that was reproduced with sin in their um, flesh, uh, meaning that even Jesus had been reproduced in the likeness of man with a sinful flesh, but the spirit of God within him. Um, and so he's literally our model on how to walk in the spirit because he struggled all the same struggles that we did, uh, but without sin. He did it perfectly. Um, and we're filled. I'm no longer powerless through those temptations. And that's the good news, okay? Before we come to Jesus, it can just feel like our flesh drags us from one sinful pleasure to another sinful pleasure to another selfish thought to another self-justification. And it seems like everywhere we turn, like we, if we're being honest with ourselves, fall short all the time, right? Does anybody else feel like that or is that just me? I do. Okay. So it's, it's not just me? Okay. Um, so I'm no longer powerless to resist temptation. My body has been cleansed of sin. And I became a holy temple in which the Spirit of God can dwell. This means that the Spirit is always present to help me. Okay? So I remember, I, you know, I, I, write, I write so many of these teachings at this point that sometimes I get confused. But I think it was, maybe it was last week when we were talking about how um, sin indwells us in the same way that the Holy Spirit can indwell us. Did we talk about that already? I think so. That was a couple weeks ago. I don't know. So, um, but the basic concept is that the same word uh, that is used for sin to dwell within us is the same word uh, as the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Now that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we have this power and authority at our fingertips if we just move that direction. Okay? Um, so the problem is people say, well, just walk in the Spirit. Just move that way. And no one ever tells you how, do they? We're going to tell you how. And it's going to be amazing. I, I thought this was a really great teaching, so uh, I'm getting to share it with you again. Um, so, um, in other words, as a believer, I'm not under God's judgment even when I struggle with sin. I'm not a slave to my flesh, even though I have failed in my attempts to change. I simply haven't discovered how to walk according to the Spirit in that area yet. Can we, like, can I repeat that? Because that was, like, golden right there, okay? I am not a slave to my flesh. Even though I may have failed in my attempts to change, I simply haven't discovered how to walk according to the Spirit in that area of my life yet. Um, I am not alone in the struggle. I don't have to conquer the flesh with my willpower. The Holy Spirit is always with me, and he provides more than enough power. And I think that's usually where we go wrong. I think that we have a tendency to think to ourselves, well, um, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to do my best to do better. 
But you have the most powerful ally in the universe dwelling within you. You have the very power, the resurrecting power of Jesus dwelling within you. And, and the Holy Spirit is sitting there waiting to help you to overcome sin in every single occurrence. Um, when Adam sinned, he and all his descendants lost their freedom. Sin, rebellion, independence, and selfishness and pride, pride enslaved every generation of humans. And sooner or later, each of us discovers the power of its chains. And with that discovery comes despair. A person without Christ can't change their attitudes, and the more they try and fail, the more despairing they become. But Jesus really sets us free from sin's power over our spirit and from its authority to rule our bodies. And in doing so, he made it possible for our human spirit to take control of our lives. And that's not to say that people who aren't Christians can't um, improve themselves and stuff like that. But what I find for myself is that every time that I conquered one sin, it just got replaced with a, another more insidious sin. So, for example, um, if I had a habit that I wanted to conquer and I managed to conquer the habit, um, then pride usually replaced that sin. <laughs> Look at what I did. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's, well, pride's actually worse, right? <laughs> you know, in most cases, maybe not if it was murder, but... Uh, <laughs> so, um, we're born, when we're born again, Jesus doesn't just set us free from one form of slavery um, of sin to impose another form of slavery to God. He restores the freedom humans lost when Adam sinned, and then our, our Savior and Lord calls us to follow him. He leads us. He doesn't drive us. So, think about the difference between how we feel driven by sin versus how we feel led by God. Um and, and really, God will lead us into the right place, but we still have the capability to do the wrong thing, and often do. Um, and so it's a totally different circumstance. Um, the real me aligns and agrees with God and aligns and agrees that uh, there are things that um, I should not be partaking in, and I feel the guilt and shame when those things are a part of my reality. Um, I, I feel driven to sin, but the but the true me is, agrees that God's ways are better than mine. You know what I mean? Um, and so I try to align with. Um, so Romans eight five. Can we pull that scripture up? Um, Paul's talking about people who walk according to the Spirit in that scripture. Uh, and of course, we're actually going to roll through Romans uh, chapter eight and chapter seven. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the Bible. So we'll, we'll go through that together as well. Just five? Yeah, just five. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Okay, cool. So um, Paul here is saying that people who walk according to the Spirit are able to live righteous, pure, and God-pleasing lives. So how do we do this? He doesn't tell us, right? How do we do this? He used the Greek word that means to think or to set my conscience, my conscious attention on something. The picture he presents is that my human spirit is able to control what my mind focuses on. Okay. Um, I'm able to stop thinking one thing and start thinking another. Uh, I think about this. So I used to be a ballet dancer. Okay. Um, and if you've ever seen a dancer, when they spin, 
have you ever seen them spin time and time and time and time and time again? And you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, just watching them, like my stomach's turning and I'm getting dizzy, right? Mm -hmm. But they manage to do that, and they do it without getting dizzy. I'm going to tell you the secret of the ballerina now as to how they do not get dizzy. And it's called spotting, okay? And it's something that they, they do a lot um, in, uh, you know, in dance and in, in, in skating, baton twirling, all these different things. Spotting is something that is really important. And that is, like, I'll pick a point in the audience or the wall, and that is my fixed point. And so have you ever noticed when a ballerina is spinning, what do they do with their head? They rotate it quicker than the rest. They rotate it quicker than the rest. That is the perfect way to say it, yes. And so whatever I've spotted on the wall, um, I will leave my eyes at that spot on the wall for as long as possible before I have to rotate my head. And then when I rotate my head, I rotate it as quickly as possible to fix my eyes back on that spot on the wall. Does that make sense? So that's how ballerinas know every time that they've done 12 jetés. Okay, when, they, when they're turning around, um, uh, the, the way that they know that they're spinning and they've done the right amount is because they're able to see that spot on the wall every time. And that's how they stop spinning after doing their photos or, or whatever. They stop spinning and they're not dizzy and they're not falling all over the place. You're like, how do they do that? It's because their eyes were fixed on that one spot. And so the word that Paul is using would apply there. He wants you to fix your eyes on Jesus and on the Spirit of God, okay? And he's saying that it's a matter of our will, that we can do that. It's that whole Adam and Eve scenario. Am I going to grab the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or am I going to fix my eyes on God and what he wanted me to do, okay? And as soon as our focus gets off of God, what happens? You start thinking. We start spinning. It's a crazy. It's crazy how that works, right? Okay. Um, where was I here? Um, so I'm able to stop thinking one thing and start thinking another. I can't overpower the pressures of my flesh, but I can stop listening to it, stop looking at it, and stop and and deliberately redirect my thoughts to think about God, reflect on his word, and become consciously aware that his spirit is with me. Because remember, you're, you, you, you're basically carrying the Holy Spirit with you everywhere you go, even when you're sinning. And when I do, I will find his spirit will come and help me and free me from my compulsive grip that the flesh has on me. So what does the mind on the flesh look like? Uh, said on the flesh look like? Old subconscious driven thought. Um, my old faithless, loveless way of thinking and doing things. Body-driven thoughts, appetites, emotions, impulse. But what is the mind of the spirit? Um, so, how do we fix our mind on Jesus? How do we um, how do we walk in the spirit? Um, the spirit is aided by the Holy Spirit and is able to change what my mind is consciously thinking about. I can now. This is like think of yourself uh, in the ocean. This is yes. I'm keeping an eye on it. Thank you. Um, this is your rescue. This is your uh, lifesaver. You know, the, when you're drowning in the ocean, they send that little white ring out to you to catch and to draw you back in. This is the lifesaver, okay? 
So first thing I can do is I can picture Jesus in my mind. Okay? I can sing, I can worship, and I can pray in tongues. Now, this sounds kind of crazy, but think about in James where he talks about the power of life and death is held in the tongue, and that just like the little rudder on a ship, it has the, the power to set your entire body aflame. What do you mean? Okay. Um, let's talk about the concept of praying in tongues. Well, we're praying in tongues. What are we doing? Letting the Holy Spirit take over. Letting the Holy Spirit take over our tongues. And if James says that the tongue dictates where the whole body goes, you are submitting under it. So if we submit our tongue to the Holy Spirit through the power of praying in tongues, then God is able to help us get that whole fleshly desire under control. Yeah. That, you can say that louder. It's okay. Cross said, I pray in tongues. Everybody in the room does. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. Um, you can quote Bible promises. And then there's also this hardcore you can just obey. Uh, <laughs> turn it off, leave the room, pour it out, flush it down, whatever you've got to do. Like, get yourself involved. Get rid of it. Yeah, get yourself involved in another activity. Move to another place, okay? Um, so the practical steps are, and then after we're done with this, we'll, we'll uh, head to commercial break and we'll do our Q&A and, and uh, take callers and finish up for the day, okay? okay. So um, how, how can we practically do this? Recognize what's happening. My mind is being controlled by the flesh. Face the truth. Don't make excuses. And we tend to make excuses because, let's face it, we tend to want to follow our flesh into sin. Redirect my thoughts to the truth. What is God's will here and God's promise concerning this situation? And repeat these steps as often as necessary because the mind can continue to drift back to the negative before you even realize it. Repent. Man, that's a major theme, right? Repent, repent, repent. Repent. Tell the Lord exactly what's happening. Don't make excuses or blame others. Just ask God for help so, he can, so you can joyfully obey him. And finally, remember that he said to follow him, we must die, take up our cross. This dying is more than just like a religious persecution. It's a lifelong dedication to decisions that crucify the flesh. And that is how we walk in the spirit. And for me, this was such an amazing uh, revelation and brought so many great things to me. So, um, I have a couple questions that will go along with this later. Um, but what do you guys think about that? Pretty good. Very insightful. Enjoying that? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that the hardest thing I think that we do as Christians is try to figure out how to walk in the spirit. Yeah. So, well, it's a, a minute early, but I think we can cur- cut to commercial break so we can get that extra minute for questions and answers. What do you guys think? Sounds yep. good. Okay. So we'll see you in about three minutes for mom's pointed questions. For mom's pointed questions. (laughs) See you in a minute. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com 
offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light, and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Freaks, outsiders, weirdos, the wallflowers, oddball loser, fish out of water, speak up, talk quieter. We are different. There's no arguing. It's a fact. A patchwork of flaws, we grow and adapt. We're funky, unconventional, see life through kaleidoscope eyes. In a field full of clovers, with our four leaves, we bask in blue skies. Flaws are natural. Our imperfections, our weaknesses, our scars. There is a misfit in all of us. We just have to be brave enough to embrace who we are. When the enemy comes into your life like a flood, stand your ground and take your sword out in Luke 10 and go eyeball to eyeball with him and tell him, I have been given the authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm me. Stand your ground. When he tries to use one of his main tactics, which is fear, tell him, For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Stand your ground. When he thinks you're down, tell him, I'm not down, Satan. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Stand your ground. When he tells you you're a loser, tell him, I am the head and not the tail. When the enemy comes after you, Tell him, Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Stand your ground. When he whispers in your ear and tells you you can't do this, throw Philippians 4.13 to him. I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Stand your ground. When the enemy comes into your life like a... And we're back. Welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Uh, this is your host, Felicia. My kids are the co-hosts, and what are the names? Mariah. And Cross, the much, oh, much, stop it. much, much, much cooler co-hosts. There might be some debate amongst my children as to which one they think is the coolest. We won't have you try to verify. No, you should vote. Yep. <laughs> yep, vote in the comments below. No! So, uh, this is the time where we open up our show to commentary from our audience. Chat room is open. so Perfect time you... to vote for who's the coolest. No, no time to vote for who's the coolest. Also, we'll take uh, calls. 
We will take calls. So we have we have the chat room open. Uh, so if you've joined us, you may not be joining us by our link today because of the craziness of us popping off the radio for a moment. We had a technical difficulty earlier. If you would like to call in, the guest call-in number is 319-527-6208. Uh, you're going to press 1 if you want to go into the green room so that we can ask you to come on air. And we'd love to hear from you. Uh, the number there is 319-527-6208. Five two seven six two zero eight, and remember to press one. Now uh, we have a few questions. Yeah. Mom pointed questions. Mom pointed questions. Like, Man. Okay. So uh, we've got a few questions. The Are first one. The first ones are going to uh, talk about what we studied in Romans today. What was that? The pointed questions. Yeah. Being saved by the Spirit, and not the letter of the law. Right. Oh. Okay, and then the other ones, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some questions about walking in the spirit. So uh, here's a question. Were you raised in a religious environment, and was that a good or bad experience? Well, that's like a present tense question for poor Cross here. He's still being raised in that environment, right? Mm -hmm. I can't really answer this question. Was I raised? I still am raised. Still are raised in a uh, household where we go to church and we like Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what do you guys think? Was that a good or a bad experience? It's good so far. Good so far. Okay. Good so far. How about you, uh, Mariah? And then Mariah, the less cool sibling answers. That is wrong. Mommy's being mean to me. (laughs) I care about who's being kind. Our friend Ali'i one time told us that her uncle uh, used to do this thing when she was little and uh, he would say, I don't care who is right. I care about who's being kind. And she's like, man, all the arguments just ended at that point. So I don't care about who's right. I care about who's being kind. I love you, Mariah. And that's probably really the cool sibling. Wow. Gauntlet was dropped. So, Mariah, what was it like being raised in a religious environment? Because I wasn't raised in a religious environment, so I can't really answer that question. Um, it's hard because you're my mom, so. Yes. <laughs> I'm opening myself up to very public criticism right now. <laughs> Don't crucify me. No, I'm just kidding. It was good. It taught me a lot of really good habits to, um, to have, mm-hmm. you know, like self-discipline and whatnot. Um, that, for me, though, because I, I, well, it's not really fair because we went through a lot together, you and I, mm-hmm. before yeah, before the other kids came around. Just try not to blow up my spot, but I was uh, divorced twice and went through some abusive uh, times in my life. So I will blow up my own spot so she doesn't have to be sensitive about it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> because we went through so much together, it was the perfectionism that made it more religion than relationship with my walk. And um, that was really difficult because I wanted to be perfect for not only God, but perfect for you. And I just couldn't. So that was really hard during my teenage phase. Mm-hmm. And oh, that was dark times. But, um, but besides that, like, it was really beneficial and helpful to ask you questions and um have that accountability. Right. And being perfect is not reality for anyone except for Jesus, right? Like, that's why he came. Right. And that's that's why I said I wanted to be perfect for you and for 
God, it wasn't you expecting perfection from me, but me expecting perfection from myself. Right. And I'm pretty blatant about being very imperfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I tend to be the kind of parent that when I do mess up, I do actually will, I'll, I'll come to you and apologize and be like, hey, I, I owe you an apology. I did something wrong or, you know, I was, right? Like I've done that before. Um, so Cross is in process of being uh, raised in a religious household. How do you think that that affects things? Is it easier for you? Is it harder for you? What do you think? Mm, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. In what ways is it? Can it be difficult? Um. Hmm. I'm trying to feel like I have to keep up with. <laughs> I have to keep up with. <laughs> The the religious environment that I was raised in. In what way? Like, you're not helping. <laughs> Mom keeps grabbing Mariah's finger. Because she's tickling me. <laughs> yes, we are like this in real life, okay? <laughs> so, um, so it can be hard because you feel like you have to keep a certain standard. Yeah. Is that, is that what we're trying to say? Um, and in what ways... Is it easier or better for you? Uh, feeling safer than people raised in a non-Christian household, and uh, just feeling like okay, I'm I'm fine, and uh, I won't go through some of the uh, difficulties that other people will go through. And I think that um, to that point, and um, my husband's not been on the show yet. Hopefully, at some point. When he's on vacation from work, we can have him on here because, man, he's a great guy. Like, really, honestly, um, your dad's the best. He's awesome. Um, I'm getting all cheered up. I love my husband. <laughs> okay, so anyway, um, but I think that there is, and I think that Mariah can testify to this, that there is a certain um, security that goes along with having parents that are led by the Holy Spirit and that um, follow the Lord because, um, it is easier to anticipate our actions and what we are going to say and do um, so that when things are wrong, because things are going to happen that are wrong, sometimes mom and dad mess up, sometimes you mess up and you need some help and some guidance and support, um, you can be pretty certain of what our response is going to be and that it's not generally going to be something that's going to um, be destructive, um, but it's going to be something that's going to be helpful right? Um, and I think that's kind of what you're trying to say there, right, buddy? Mm-hmm. So um, serving Jesus can be demanding, yet he says his burden is easy and his yoke is light. How can that be? Um, well, I don't know if this really answers it, but, like, if I do something wrong, um, I'm the first one to tattle on myself. Uh, I think, oh, I'm not, I can't tell mom and dad. I can't. But then, like, 30 minutes goes by. I'm like, I can't live with this. This stinks. I would rather get the consequence than live with this going on inside me. Right. And so I'll quickly confess. And even if there's a punishment, it's like, oh, it's it's so much lighter now. my chest. 
Right, right, right. So, so I do think that's the point, is that the guilt and shame is heavier than the burden of submitting to God. Um, and I think about how that compounds, like you guys were in an environment where it was safe for you to be able to confess and to talk about the things that were hurting you or bothering you or burdensome to you. Um, so I think it's also a point out to parents really quick, like those who aren't saved, like that doesn't mean that you're a bad parent but you can do so much more and have such a better household environment when submitting under Christ. Mm -hmm. We're not saying you're not doing a good job, but you can do so much more. I mean, how about this? Uh, I I can do things well. Jesus always does it better. Yes. (laughs) It doesn't matter what it is. I can do it very well, but Jesus always does it better. Um, He's awesome, and I... I never go wrong by submitting to him. Um, There's never a point where I'm like, oh, man, I missed on that opportunity, and I totally could have, like, done so much better if I did that. No, there's never a bad time to submit to the authority of Jesus Um, because whatever it is, you know that that old song, anything you can do, I can do better. The only person who can sing that song is Jesus. Okay? (laughs) Anything I can do, he can do better. Unless I'm talking to a little baby. Whatever you can do. Well, that might be tricky. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I can eat a hot dog faster than you. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you might be able to eat a hot dog faster than me, quite frankly, at this point. Ugh. My stomach just won't <laughs> handle that. Okay, so let me get that call-in number one more time. Uh, 319-527-6208. We're a little lonely today. Please press 1 if you want to talk to us. That's. Three one nine five two seven six two zero eight. I've got one more question. Go to the comment section to comment on who's cooler. You're so bad. <laughs> okay. uh, it's all right. You can be the cool one today. <laughs> I'm oh. being kind, Mom. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you started it. It's on now. Okay. So now it's going to be kindness wars. Um, so Jesus said that we could obey him that we would obey him if we loved him. How should we approach ongoing sin after coming to Christ? Mariah, I think that she's cooler than me. Are you still on that? I think that's the sin of pride. <laughs> <laughs> he is now dying. No! Okay, so, so how do we approach ongoing sin after coming to Christ? In other words, I came to Jesus, okay, I'm cleansed of my sins, I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and I still sin. And man, sometimes I've messed up in some pretty big ways. Caitlin's like, nose goes, don't want to talk about this one, this one's hard. Right? Her name's Mariah. Oh, Mariah. <laughs> oh, I do that sometimes. I mix, I mix up my poor beautiful girls. They get so mad at me. Because they're the same height now. They are the We're same height, the but they're nowhere height. near the same age. They're not the same height. What, do you have a quarter of an inch on her? That's two inches. They're they're both pretty short. That's, that's, <laughs> Nobody's shorter than Sydney. Nobody's shorter than Sydney. <laughs> Poor cousin Sydney. <laughs> I'm shorter than Sydney. She's fun-sized, though. And that's it. <laughs> She's fun-sized and super adorable. So, um, so how do we approach that sin after coming to Christ? Well, the Bible says that we can repent. And what's nice is that God is so generous with us as we are learning 
to walk in the flesh, or in the spirit instead of in the flesh. We've been walking in the flesh our entire existence. This whole walking in the spirit thing, that's new to us. And God knows that. And so he's super patient. And like, you know, the guiding mother who is helping you to learn on a, how to eat off of a spoon. Of course she wants you to eat off the spoon. Nobody wants to hand feed you for the rest of your life. But when you don't know how to do it, does she get like really mad and say, fine, just don't eat? No, she continues to help you as you learn to eat off the spoon. Um, and that is uh, kind but, of just, don't eat. 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 Don't care when you just start crying. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, 12 o'clock in the So, right. So, we've got a couple more questions. Um, let me see. Have you felt the joy of God? Remember, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Can you tell me about that? Yes, Cross. Uh, when I was at kids' camp, uh, I remember, I think it was either the second or third day. Well, I prayed in tongues on both days, but there was one, I think it was the second day. One day I really felt the presence of God. Like, it was, like, really moving. That's awesome. And how does that make you feel? Uh, I felt joy, and I felt that uh, nothing could ever hurt me because God was by my side. That's awesome. I remember at one point um, you telling me a story about how God has um, confirmed something or spoken something to you. You were supposed to teach at church. Mm-hmm. And um, you were going to teach about one lesson. But, but what happened? So I was going to teach at church, and I was going to talk about sin and how sin is like a monster trying to gobble us up. But uh, I – but – Somehow, uh, when I got to the original sin in Genesis, I was like, and then we fast forward to Judges. I was Judges, uh, whatever. And then I started talking about Judges and all the Judges that were, most of them were pretty screwed up people. Uh, They were were pretty jacked up. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I started teaching on Judges, and uh, I I, I didn't get a chance to talk more about sin because literally, like, my my words got mixed up, and I just somehow got in the direction of judges, so I, that's what I talked about. But I think I recall that you weren't going to teach on sin at all. You had a whole different subject picked out, and you prayed about it because you were like, I'm not sure what to say, and I said you should pray about it. Do you remember what happened there? What happened there? Uh, I think you told me that God spoke to you in that prayer. Yeah, he did. Right? Do you, do you remember that? Do you remember what you told me afterwards? That it was exciting for you because... Uh, that was the first time that you spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying that you felt like God, um, that you thought that God did that only for big people. But God does that for little people too, right? That's pretty awesome, right? No matter what your height is. Right? <laughs> Even if you're fun-sized. <laughs> so there's hope. All right, last question, and then we're going to be logging off because we're just about at time here. Um how do you find God's help when you are tempted? That's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Okay, so how do you personally navigate that? Um, well, with my past situations, it's uh, once you have sinned and you've repented of it, it's easier to recognize when it's trying to sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. And you'll get like five seconds of, oh, I want to do that. And then the Holy Spirit's like, 
Ooh, look at that. That remember what happened last time? Don't think that's a good idea. Let's how about we just don't? And then that's the part where you have to submit your will and either turn off the phone or like make Jesus louder than the temptation. Mm-hmm. And be like, okay, we're going to put on some Jesus music. Or um, like start praying or just like mo- remove yourself from the situation entirely. Okay. Um, I know I know for me, um, a lot of the area of sin I struggle with is very internal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to do with um, guilt and shame. Um, and that's not to say that I don't ever uh, struggle with physical sins, external sins, you know. It's just you get to a place of, of maturity where a lot of that stuff isn't something that you struggle with on a, on a daily basis. But the stuff that you struggle with on the daily basis is, is that um, guilt and shame and accusation that happens on the inside. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I used to think of the, the scripture where it says to take your thoughts captive to Christ. And I used to actually think about when there was a thought that I was like, I don't think that this is from God. I, I would think of myself taking that thought in physical form and putting it in handcuffs and throwing it before the throne of Christ with Christ seated on the throne. And, and I would say, this is what's being said to me. What do you say about it? That was what Hezekiah did. Oh, yeah? Tell me about that. Well, Hezekiah was a king. Was a king. And um, he was, his kingdom was being attacked by another kingdom. And they're spouting off about how they, they used their pride, really. But... Um, that God was on their side because they destroyed all of these cities and they were like grass beneath their feet that was like easily crushable. And so Hezekiah takes all of these letters from the messenger and goes to the altar, lays it out before him and says, is this true? And what do I do? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And actually, yeah. And the really cool part is, is that later on, God not only confirms, like, here's what I say about the situation, he also gives a sign. And the sign takes, like, five years. Because it's like, the first year you're going to see this, the second year you're going to see this, the third year you're going to see this. We always expect signs and confirmation to be, like, within the next five minutes mm-hmm. or, like, tomorrow. And it's like, no, he, Hezekiah had to wait five years and have his eyes continually open to see all of the signs that were going to happen within those five years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times um, the truth of the matter is, is that the answer is just something that we don't see. I think about um, Elisha and his armor bearer when they're, when they're faced with a huge army ready to attack. And Elisha says to the armor bearer, that those who are with us are greater in number than those who are against us. And the armor bearer has no idea what he's talking what, what, about. How, how is that possible? And, and so Elisha prays that the armor bearer will have his eyes open so he can see. And he means so that he can see into the spiritual realm. And when he opens up, when God opens up the armor bearer's eyes, the armor bearer sees the army of God, all the, the angels ready to take on this army and how greatly they outnumber the army that is against them right? 
Um, when you ask that question, that's immediately the story I think of. Yeah, and you know what I think is funny is it never says that Elisha can see the army. And I always think to myself, I wonder if he could. I wonder if he could see the army or if he just knew and just trusted, you know, and just, just believed. Right, because because he was used to God coming through so often before. Hey, I do wonder if he could see it. Um, Cross, you were going to say something, and we interrupted you. Uh, yeah, so uh, when uh, you use the tactic of binding up the fears and throwing it before God's throne, uh, I actually used that tactic before. It was when I was uh, – Whenever I was thinking about archery and having panic attacks, oh, and anxiety attacks, that, right? Yeah, and uh, you told me that tactic, and I used it a few times, and now my panic attacks are like going down and down. I rarely have them now. Right, because you learned how to trust God, right? And to trust the outcome. A lot of times we don't have control over the outcome, but God does, right? Also, a lot of times there are people with me, if I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack, so that helps. Yeah, that does help. That does help because it helps to get your eyes off of the things that you're fearful of and get your eye on those who are supporting you and the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have anything else to add today, guys? I think we're uh, getting ready to close out uh, approximately on time, but I can honestly say I don't really know. Uh, I know we were 15 minutes into the show when it stopped, so we're about at that time. So I think that we're going to call it to a close, right? All right. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining me. Thank you to my co-host. My poor Mariah has a headache, so we're going to get off and we're going to pray for her and uh, hope that she feels a little bit better. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope that you guys have a blessed week. Have a great day. (laughs)